Hey everybody, before we get into the podcast, I just want to let you know about our sponsor. It's a film called Sir John A. and uh, Curse of the Antiquenched. You can get it on iTunes, Amazon, or wherever you get your movies. Check out curseoftheantiquenched.com. Are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? Welcome to the Raiders of the Lost Commentary podcast. Welcome to Jurassic Park. The unofficial commentary for your favorite... Death of the Chopper! And not-so-favorite films. The famous comedian, Arnold Braunschweiger. Starring your hosts, Adam and Matt. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Start your movie in three, two, one. All right. Uh, Today, we're watching Primer. And on the podcast, I have a guest, possibly reoccurring... uh, Person, uh, Travis Laidlaw. Travis, how are we doing today? Hello, Adam. I'm doing well, thank you. Um, I remember when you and I were in film school and uh, this movie had been out for a while, but I think it uh, we had just kind of become aware of it, or at least I had just become aware of it, and it was something that we really wanted to check out because these guys made a movie for, like I think, seven grand, right? Yeah, okay, so I was wondering when I was first introduced to this. I, I know exactly when... I personally was, but I couldn't remember what like what year or what part of my life it was. I couldn't remember if it was before film school or after okay. or during. Um, I found it at Blockbuster when oh, Blockbuster wow. would sell random DVDs. I would go there all the time and, and just buy random stuff. And I remember seeing it um, for sale for 10 bucks or whatever, whatever. So that must have been before film school because if we talked about this film in film school, which was around, what, 2006? Yeah, I believe 2006. Yeah, then um, it must have been before that. It must have just come out then, because this film released in 2004. I think it played at the 2003 Sundance. Uh, Sundance, yeah. and then I think they got released on DVD in 2004. Yeah, so like uh, Shane Carruth, who's the writer, director, star, he did pretty much did everything on the film. Um, yeah. Yeah, he had no previous film experience and just did it like he managed to pull it off which is well those are the stories that we loved right like when we were in film school it was all like robert rodriguez sal mariachi yeah um, kevin you smith. know kevin smith finding about these people who were able to make films for nothing and i like i've always been a huge fan of time travel so this one like i didn't know anything about the filmmaking before i saw it so i saw it loved it and then started i think I, the dvd i have is the same one i bought at blockbuster and it has a director commentary and i think that's where i learned all the the stuff about the production. I mean, obviously watching it, it's like, an, it's an indie film. You can tell, yeah. um, like a low budget indie thing, but like, you know, I think he made it for $7,000. There's a crew of like five people. Um, it's pretty, pretty impressive. Yeah, <laughs> and it it's is. his first film. It's the first thing he ever directed. I think he was writing short stories, but not scripts. No, so this I is, have... I think his first script script. Um, so yeah, this film is like, like I think it had success early on, but I, I find like later now, it seems to be developed like a bigger cult following with people that like time travel and time travel well, films are just well made stuff. Like I, I see I see it referenced on Reddit quite a bit as one of the heralded it as one of the best time travel films ever made. Yeah, when you look up the lists, top ten, you know, top time travel films, it's always if it's not number one, it's number two to Back to the Future. Right. Um, usually, I find. Um, obviously, it's not like a common film amongst the general population, but uh, anyone who knows anything about time travel definitely knows about this film. 
Uh, I do remember reading something about that, the fact that they like they shot almost er, or they used almost every piece of film that they shot. Like like the yeah. movie is 78 minutes, but apparently you could only make an 80 minute film with the yeah. rest of the footage or something crazy like yeah, that. Yeah, apparently. He has an anecdote in the, the commentary where he's like in most of the shots after he yelled cut, he's still holding those frames, you know, the couple frames that it's still recorded until Oh yeah. the camera. So he said he can see in a few shots, him actually saying cut while he's in the performance. Yeah. That's funny. Um, that he had to keep in just cause he didn't have, uh, he didn't have anything to work with, which that's impressive in itself, right? Like they did single takes on most of the stuff. They rehearsed enough that they had it completely down, uh, beforehand. Yeah, um, it is and pretty... it's, it's it's impressive. It's a lot of jargon, you know. It's a lot of um, talking over each other. Like it's really real. I think that's one of the reasons people really dig this film is because it treats like it. it you're definitely not uh, the audience is definitely not taken for granted, right? You're not treated as stupid at all. No, it's like, hey, here's this conversation, and you you try to figure out what they're talking about because they're not going to explain it. I mean, they are going to explain it in yeah. depth, but <laughs> they're not going to. Uh, dumb it down at all no i guess and he said he was hoping that people would want to watch it time and time again to actually to get it to understand it a bit more and i guess in a weird way maybe intentional or unintentional it's like the movies about time travel watching it time and time again is like traveling back in time in a way because you're understanding it from a new perspective each time you do you know well that's what's so fun with time travel movies right you watching it again and then seeing like a performance from an earlier scene now knowing that that was you know a version that had already gone back and and you you pick up on the little nuances like in this film it's like the the earbud stuff yeah he's he's wearing the earbuds later to uh know exactly like he recorded the conversations on his first pass through and now he's gone back in time and now he's listening to the conversations to make sure he can steer the conversation again how it you know in the direction it needs to be and you don't pick up on that obviously the first time but watching it back through again it's fun to sort of pick out like okay well when you know at what point was it uh was the Aaron character already going back, you know? Yeah, I like I like stuff like that too. They uh like just watching the film, like I see they very much benefited from the fact that they're they rented a dolly, you know? <laughs> yeah. Troy, yeah, that must have been uh, was it Troy Dick. I don't know if that's a made up name or not. It says uncredited was a cinematographer, but like like the film doesn't look bad. You know, oh, like, I'm sure that's made up. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it was just all Caruth. Yeah. He no. he storyboarded um, he like pre-shot the whole film, apparently. Um, I mean, I don't know if it was shot for shot, but definitely every scene on thirty-five millimeter stills okay. to like get to get the color timing, like to to, to fully f- know how he was going to shoot this thing in advance of shooting it. And like, I mean, this guy, he was, I think he was like an engineer or something. Yeah, um, I believe so. But he didn't know anything about filmmaking. He just apparently went to like rental houses and went to uh, production houses and just like talked to them. And it's like, yeah, fuck. Good on you, you know? Yeah, I know. Like that's what you got to do. In, in a way, I find it, like, kind of frustrating. Like, we try and make stuff every now and then. And, like, <laughs> we make stuff that turns out okay, but, like, you never get to, like, that Sundance level of success, you know? Well, I mean, it's like the the, the one in a billion shot, you know, first yeah. film. I mean, even just to be accepted into Sundance, let alone win the grand jury award and the alfred p sloan award right yeah like um unheard that's of. pretty that's pretty impressive have you uh have you seen his uh second film um yeah 
upstream color. Upstream color, very. So I mean, after odd. seeing after seeing Primer, I was obviously like, oh my god, I I love this guy. It's my favorite. Like it kind of became my favorite like film, especially at that time. You're like an inspiring filmmaker, and uh, you just follow these stories, like you said earlier. Um, so it took forever for a second film to come out. I I actually read an early like a leaked draft of something he wrote, which was absolutely nuts. And it was super long. Um, and it didn't end up getting made. And I don't know if it was like a pre version of upstream color or just a whole different film, but it was nuts. So I was just, but I was kind of primed, no pun intended for (laughs) another weird film. But, uh, I remember it came out or it was announced that it was playing at the TIFF, uh, theater here in Toronto, not at, not at the film festival, but the TIFF building. And I went by myself one night and watched it. And then I got a friend to come with me like a couple nights later and I watched it again. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't like it as much. Um, it's a fucking weird one. It's like, a weird one. It's weird. Like it is so strange. But yeah. I watched. I, I watched it, and then I had to watch a what it meant thing, or like read a blog about what it meant. And after I read oh, that, I, I was like, I guess I kind of see that, but I don't know. I haven't even done that, so I still I don't know what it means. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Something to. Yeah, I don't even want to take a guess. Yeah. But anyways, back to Primer. Back to Primer. Um, I will, like, to tie it in a bit with Upstream Color. Like, Upstream Color had a lot of symbolism with colors and different things like that. And I know he he put in a bit of that in uh, in this. Not necessarily with colors, but, like, was it Abe and Aaron have different, uh, like, their actual names have meanings, like... A and A, like the start yeah, of Aaron and A and B, like have some type of significance, or was it yeah. one of the last names is regret backwards? Oh, really? Yeah. So it's whatever, however you say regret backwards, but uh, yeah. I find that interesting. Like, it's not like beaten over the head, like a lot of his exposition well, or subtle hints at. Yeah. Well, I mean, like part of this movie is this whole a b right this a b end the a end and the b end something goes into the machine at the a end and comes out the b end or the whole the whole uh, proposition with the time travel is going in at the b end and coming out of the a end uh so yeah so aaron it's like a aaron whatever is spelled with two a's uh so it's a a and then abe is a b and you know symbolizes aaron was the first one to go through or i don't know yeah I, uh, <laughs> there's all sorts of fun theories out I there i read something that when they pass their hand through at the start here they their hand travels in time and is possibly their hand is slightly in the future which is why <laughs> their handwriting goes poorly later in the film oh that's cool I don't know if that's true or not, but that's, that's one of those awesome like fan theories that just makes so much sense, but was never intended. Maybe not. No. And then the director, you have to just go with it and say, "Yeah, yes, yeah. we planned that all." That's along. a great idea. Um, <laughs> I love this little effect here, where he had the uh, they drop the paper, uh, the whole punch uh, piece of paper over the device, and they float. But you yeah. dolly over to the camera, see the effect in the camera of these floating things, and then dolly back. I, just, I love those little things, you know, like he pre-shot that, made a comp, made, like he made a comp in After Effects and then dumped it out to DV tape, mini DV tape, then played it on the camcorder. And then during the shoot, just dollied over to see that shot as yeah. though it was a live shot. Yeah. I love that. I love that sort of pre-preparation stuff. Because, yeah. you know, as, as much as stuff have, as uh, we have done, I, I find you get up to the day of shooting and it's like, man, I just didn't have time to prep any of these little no, <laughs> <laughs> these like props in advance. You know what no, I mean? It's true. It's so true. good on him for thinking about that stuff. It's true. Um, so the plot of this film, if you don't know, 
is that two engineers are trying to develop some type of shipping method or something like that, shrinking. Well, okay, shipping. so no, I think to start, it's four dudes who have this, um, you know, incubator incubator thing, and I think they each take turns coming up with an idea, and then they all follow through the idea, and the plan is to come up with something that they can, you know, get rich off of. So I think whoever's turn it is is trying to come up with something that uh, is not affected by gravity. So you're correct with shipping. I think that was the intention. It's like something that has less weight. Right. <laughs> so it's cheaper to ship and everything. So I think that's what they're initially doing is a weight-based thing. Right. And then in the scene we're seeing here is they're starting to realize that uh, they're creating sort of something that maintains power or something like that, even when it's unplugged, when the system is cut off from, from power. They don't know what they have, basically. Right. And then they unintentionally create time travel. Or a version yeah. of time travel. Yeah. Well, they put this Weeble in, and uh, we'll, we'll come up to the scene in a bit, but uh, I guess the whole plot sort of starts with um, Abe coming to Aaron and saying, like, listen, I, I, put the, we put the, I put this Weeble in, and I've been running all these tests, and I'm finding this uh, fungus, this aspergillus something or other, which is like a protein that, or something that uh, is uh, a very definable amount i guess what am i trying to say here it grows a very definable amount um over very specific times so they know um so they know exactly like how long it should take for this protein to grow on something and he's saying it's you know he's getting it in a much shorter time it doesn't make any sense so i think that's what sort of kicks off um how they start to realize two and two together and realize something well then i think he says i think abe says something about he put he then puts his watch in and he pulls it out and it's like 23 hours Right, have passed on the watch extra or something like that. Right, it's a little bit of a a puzzle, you know. Yeah, (laughs) they don't really give you all the information in this movie. That's for sure. No, which I I believe is intentional in a way, um, to be like sort of confusing like that in the film, so that they can, I don't know, stitch the story together the way, the way it sort of makes sense with the multiple timelines and going back in in time so many different times and going back and resetting other timelines. Yeah. So. I was, we were just talking before we were recording about trying to refresh ourselves with it. I, I, I did watch it. Uh, I watched the film with the commentary uh, and then I started doing a bunch of reading to try to understand more about <laughs> the various timelines and uh, um, you know, how, how exactly the box works and it's pretty dang complicated, but it, it makes sense. There's only a, there's only a couple holes that kind of pop up in this, and maybe we'll get to those when yeah, when we okay. see them. I'll point out. Like, uh, I guess that's the interesting thing, right? Like, so many different films have done time travel, and I guess like the the most recent one being Endgame, um, doing time travel, like their version of it. But yeah, it's funny, like uh, all the different films that have that do it, and like all the different rules of like quote-unquote movie time time travel right well like endgame is the total who cares we're just time traveling nothing gets changed really right and we break all um, the rules that we said we were gonna not break yeah i mean even back to the future breaks a lot of rules but i think yeah. with time travel movies it's not about rules because we don't really know right there's a bunch of different universes and uh, that you could uh your time travel story could take place in right is it like a causal loop is it uh are you branching off and making multi dimensions and stuff? Um, but it has to be consistent to its own. It just needs to 
to establish what it is and then be consistent to its own story. Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, Back to the Future does that. Obviously, there's a lot of paradoxes that come up, but right. you um, don't care about them. What did you think of Interstellar's time travel? I loved it. Yeah, right? like it worked. Yeah, I mean, it's the most like realistic time travel to me because it wasn't someone... I think the problem is going back in time, mm. um, whereas Interstellar was more about like basically just the flow of time at different rates and losing time in, in the sense of going forward in time. Yeah. Right. Get, get close to a massive object and, uh, you know, your time moves slower in relation to someone not as close. And so then, you know, he gets back to the ship and his kids are old. Like that scene is, yeah, it's, it's been memed. It's been memed to death with him crying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but it was a man. I, I teared up during that. It was amazing. Yeah, that's pretty good. What about, okay. Now this is a one I know, you know, uh, lost, you know, and lost the time travel with Desmond, how his, his mind travels back in time. Man, I I, I barely remember Lost. Oh, dude. First I mean, I, rem- I remember it, but I... Oh, the time travel was in the first season? No, no. The, I mean, no, the first season was later. Was that was like season no, yeah, five, like, right? like yeah. season three or four. But Desmond's yeah. mind can travel back in time. I don't Man, know. Man, I don't, I don't remember. No, yeah. I, I know, no. I know that that was part of it, but I, I could watch that show again and be entertained because i don't really so i think i only you know the was it really yeah yeah at least it was yeah i was thinking about starting x files but maybe i'll start (laughs) i think x files is off um it's off netflix now well yeah because disney disney's gonna do that now yeah um but yeah other time travel what's other time travel that's worked well um i guess looper Uh, which shank ruth yeah looper's good and it does the whole like you know, we could sit here talking about time travel, blah, 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 or we could just say fuck it and, and move on. You know, it's like we don't need to explain things. No. I mean, the visual of that movie, the visuals of the guy being tortured and having his, like, foot being cut off as he's climbing a fence, his foot disappears. Like, that is so cool. It is, So yeah. I'm totally okay with just, it wouldn't work that way, you no. know? No. Because but- if he, his foot was cut off, he wouldn't be in that position in life to have been running towards a fence no you would have always had that foot missing yeah but but there's ways to i guess explain it Um, yeah predestination have you seen that i've not all right well that i would say that's based on um the short story by uh heinlein called all you zombies okay really short story but it's uh it is the most mind fuck of all time travel stories it's like what if all the paradoxes we just did them you know (laughs) i don't like i don't even want if you haven't seen it i don't want to say anything about it but ethan hawk and it's absolutely fantastic it is so twisty and loopy huh yeah definitely give that a watch yeah okay i'll have to check that out i never yeah is there a film of the similar title where death is trying to find them sandra bullock yeah, I don't know. Prem- maybe. Premonition. <laughs> Premonition. That's the maybe. I don't know. Yeah, no. Predestination. Um, definitely check that out. And when you, if you want to talk about it, I am down for doing that one because oh. that is nuts. That'll be next on the list. Um, yeah. So this is the is this the party that's always the the party that's referenced a lot. No, right? no, no, no. This, this isn't it. So this party. is just yeah. This is just a random. Look at that focus. Yikes. I know. Everything's out of focus. <laughs> Where am I supposed to look? I know. Um, well, I no, guess this is just funny. This is just a random thing because this still has Philip and Rob. Is it Robert? Robert and Philip, the other two guys. Yeah, I believe that's. Yeah, so this is still when they're like. They're I think involved. this is just like getting Rachel's 
that girl's dad or something because he's a capital investor or, some, or something. Right, right, right. That was right, just meant right, to be right. like them looking for an opportunity to pitch some idea. Um, I love that his wife in this is his sister. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. That's hilarious. Yeah. I would never be able to cast my sister as All my All right, wife. so here, here, here's the first sort of... Uh, here's the, the, I would guess, act two beginning, right? Okay. So this Where is Abe, Abe is like, okay, essentially here it's like Abe has come back and now he's about to tell Aaron... That he just time traveled. Yeah, but what I love of the movie does is he, he doesn't say they never say time travel. You know what I mean? Right. That is so awesome. They just sort of he, Abe in this in the following couple scenes. Yeah, see Aaron already has the the earpiece. Earbud, right? So he's technically yeah. Aaron. So he's acting along then. Yeah, yeah. He's the this whole this the whole second revelation. version of of himself, right? Yeah. It's yeah. version two, I think. Yeah, he's it's version two at this point. I mean, you don't know that. You're supposed to think it's the it's, first time. It's, you're, and you're this is the first Abe. time he hasn't, but he already knows what he's going to come and tell him at this point. Yeah. Right here, you're just going on, okay, Abe knows something and he's going to, he wants to lead Aaron around and show him how he discovered. And I like the way they do that. Instead of him saying, hey, I did this stuff and I believe it's time travel. Right. <laughs> we just uh, d- uh, invented time travel. He just goes, I want to show you some stuff. And he just sort of tells him things and. Makes him, yeah. makes Aaron figure it out for himself. Yeah. Um, but I love this. I love this, uh, this protein buildup um, with the Weeble stuff. I think that's a great way to um, bring up that, you know, there's time, there's some sort of time element involved here. Missing, missing time. You know, there's no way this protein could have grown this much in the amount of time it was in there. Right. And the reason I brought up uh, Sphere <laughs> before we started recording. Is because they do the same thing. Have you seen Sphere? I've not. No. Oh, okay. Well, never mind. I mean, it's right in the beginning, but I'll say it anyways. Okay. Well, they develop. They find a ship. I, I guess you know what? It's right in the beginning. It's the whole setup. Um, they find a ship in the bottom of the ocean um, that uh, has like this low-level hum or something, something electrical in it, um, but it is covered by like coral reef or something that only grows a certain amount of inches every seven years or something and it's covered in like multiple feet like there's no way to have gotten something under that unless it was from thousands of years ago right okay that's their whole setup it's like some kind of ship yeah anyways i just love that kind of stuff because how else do you bring it up right yeah no it's true except for just being like oh time travel we we put a switch and now we're now we're back 30 years the uh project almanac (laughs) have you seen that Project Almanac. That sounds so. Familiar. That was like the. It was like the big budget time travel movie they did uh, with like teenagers, like maybe five or six years ago. Oh, maybe I didn't see. It's that. worth a watch. Like it's fun, but it's it's um, big budget, so it's kind of cool. Okay, so I mean, I guess like the equivalent to that, just for namesake or whatever, is that like scene in Back to the Future where Doc sends the DeLorean back with the t- with the, the watch, and then the watches. A minute faster or slower, or whatever it was. Yeah, but they're just doing it in a little bit more of a scientific, uh, original way. way. Yeah, instead of it being a device. I mean, he does say that he he puts his watch in, but he's he's just running through. You know what, what's the discovery process before thinking, "Hey, I should put my watch in." Because the thing here is, they weren't trying to develop time travel, like whereas in Back to the Future, he's trying to make time travel. So it's already a preconceived, right? Uh, you know thing he's he's looking to yeah. uh, 
to invent, but here they're just trying to do something else. So I like how they're focusing on the aspergillus protein to uh, bring up. That, so I'm uh, guessing that's something Shane Cruz probably researched to like the writing process of, it, of this kind of fascinates me in the sense of like, obviously he is smart enough to figure out like a, his version of time travel that's based on the science of the time, but also like research like this fungus or research, uh, whatever else, you know? Well, what drives me nuts. So I read, um, or maybe it was part of his commentary that, okay, I'm going to have a couple things here. I, I have this theory that, um, uh, you know, when people, I think we touched on it earlier where like, uh, uh, you didn't do something intentionally, but after the fact, you make it seem like you did. Yes. And I think this happens a lot with filmmakers. Um, like, oh, how did, how did you, you know, come up with this idea? And, and in his, I mean, maybe he did. I'm not going to shit on him. But he says something like, oh, he knew he wanted to do a story that was about trust. And, you know, way before there was any time travel or sci- sci-fi elements, it was about trust and like a group of people who have to challenge their trust with each other. It's like, Really? Maybe that's how real writers start it. Maybe. <laughs> Just <laughs> hacks like us come up with like some neat plot uh, element. Ooh, time travel. Let's, I gotta, write, a, I gotta, let's write something. I had to make a new DeLorean. But it just, it seems crazy to me that this film, you know, it, the time travel wasn't part of the beginning. Right. That does you know? seem, I don't know. But, you know, maybe it was. I don't know. Maybe, eh? I don't know. And he just stumbled across this amazing time travel story. It would be weird. I don't know. That does sound like a little made up to me, but I don't know. Who knows, right? Like Who knows? It's it's good nonetheless, so it's a good It's a good story to tell at Sundance, probably, right? Well, I'd never really had time travel in mind, but really I just wanted to do a story about people and connection. Well, what it is, is like it makes you feel, I think it makes you sound more like a an actual writer or like someone who properly develops ideas, you know? Right. And... I don't think there's anything wrong with like a lot of the ideas I come up with. It's like a lot of them start with a shot. Like I'm just listening to music and I like see something in my head like, ooh, uh, it'd be cool having a guy standing at the edge of a pier while he's looking up into the sky and slowly something starts coming through the clouds, you know, and you're like, ooh. And then that starts your actual idea and it becomes an alien invasion movie or something. Right. That's how a lot of my ideas start is just but at the festival, like, like a shot. When you get but at the festival, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to be like... Oh, you know, I always like the, the you know, the thought of um, family protection and like how far people will go to, you know, whatever. You can- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's know. what you got to, you got to have your canned answer, know. right? Maybe that's just us hacks. Who knows? You know, when you go to the museum and you see this like big like blob of paint on a canvas and you're like, then there's like a paragraph write up about this. This is protesting this like thing that happened. It's yeah. like that, you know? There's a paragraph write-up for this blob of paint on, on the canvas that explains it to yeah. you. It's exactly the same. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a signing meaning after the fact. And <laughs> the meaning could totally make sense, but, like, you know, I, I, I go through this at work a lot. You know, I work for, a, like, a TV uh, studio, and they um, were, were very often, like, rebranding big channels and things, and we have to, like, have whole pitch... Uh, things all up the all up the line to the higher ups and i mean they they go all out trying to come up with reasoning for everything okay but a lot of the time like they'll come up with like a design for something and then the the assigning of the meaning happens later it's not like <laughs> you know you want oh we want this new branding design to represent um 
um, breadth of content and uh, a, a lean back experience rather than a lean in or, you know, these real weird buzzwords. Yes. Um, but really the the design that you're talking about just happened by someone just making something that looked neat. <laughs> it didn't start with, oh, let's... Anyways, I don't want to shit on... Uh, <laughs> nah. I'm sure that I'm sure that happens some places, but no, I, I know what you mean. I just think there's a lot of assigning after the fact, which is okay, whatever. I think it's You're fine right. too. I think it's fine yeah. too. I think it just people like to gravitate towards the like somebody had this master plan this whole time. You know what I mean? Like they like that idea. They gravitate toward that. It's easy to write about. It's easy to put in a headline, other than just like, yeah, I just thought a time travel movie would be pretty sweet. You know. Yeah. So, um, so back to primer. <laughs> yeah. So they just, uh, I wasn't paying attention here actually. I think they just, he, uh, Air, uh, Abe just walked Aaron through the whole thing and now they're both on board here, I think with what's going on. Right. Yeah. I think so too. They're going to start the, process. and now that Abe's about to drop the bomb that he's already went back once, you know, what, what if we built a, a box big enough for people, yada, yada, yada. And then he's like, they're just sitting here casually in the back of their truck. We would need a place where we could house this thing. Oh, hey, look, a U-Haul. Right. But but I guess he took him there to show him that the other Abe is actually... The Abe... Yeah, so he's back in the day that he previously did. And the, the original Abe... I mean, I guess technically he's the original Abe, but now he's back reliving the day from a different perspective and they're seeing first Abe walk into the thing to get in the box right that's from what i understand as well <laughs> but te- yeah. but the abe on the truck is technically abe too or well no i mean it's the second live through but it's abe one right uh yes because he actually is the one that came back well, no well so no he, abe one seeing... is going into the time machine now once he goes in the machine he becomes the other guy he becomes abe i guess two, it's right? perspective it's it's how you look at it yeah, I guess so too. You know, like wh- I guess why I'm saying he's Abe one is because he already lived. Uh, he already lived the moment that the other guy's about to live. Right. So that that would make him one, wouldn't it? I suppose so. I guess you could argue. One oh my for god! One. My my DVD is going. It's skipping. Oh no! <laughs> you didn't you didn't clean it off. I'll tell you where the movie's yeah. at whenever you get it. No, working. it's okay. It, it seems to still be going. Abe's walking in. Yeah, Abe's walking in. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I love breaking apart. So there's, I, I, I want to say a shout out to another podcast that I found. They don't, they haven't updated, they haven't even released an episode in probably a year. So I don't know if they do it anymore, but it's called oh. Paradox, the time travel podcast. Okay. And <laughs> maybe they just, they're they, on their way back. They, yeah, they, uh, I think they only did like 20 something, 29 episodes total, but basically they just only talk about time travel films and they just break them down. Uh, and they don't give reviews or anything, but they just break them down um, in regards to their the story's logic and the consistencies within within the story. Oh. So they tell you like, okay, there's there's this many timelines, there's this many versions, and this is this version does this and this and this. Like they try to just break it down so that it's the time travel aspect and the uh, the timelines are understood. And they do everything from Harry Potter, Prisoner of Azkaban, to Primer to kind of whatever oh. it's pretty good it's a good listen so i listened to that before <laughs> watching this because they break it down pretty well oh that's cool yeah. i do like the simplicity of the boxes as well that there is just these boxes 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're nothing special. They're nothing. Some wi- it's a typical indie prop. I eh? just like tape some wires to the outside of some sheet metal held together with some PVC. Yeah. Like it's... apparently those were a nightmare. Like they just fell apart on them. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess it's again with indie props. But, so it's an, it's an interesting concept how the time travel works. You have to, so the, what they're doing is they go in the morning and they will turn on the machine. And if they want to travel back to that morning, they have to have the machine on for that whole time because they have to, so they turn it on at point A. They have to wait till the machine reaches point B, right? Yeah. So if they want to get in it at the end of the day, let's say 5 p.m., they have to leave the machine on till 5 p.m., then get in it at point B. And then they have to stay in it with oxygen for the amount of time that they're going back. And then they jump out at the right time to end up at point A. So it, it's interesting because it's not an instantaneous time travel. There's a lot of waiting. You know, it's like get the A point and the B point in the machine. So you got to wait. Like, let's say you wanted to travel back in time two weeks. You would have to turn the machine on, Today. then let it run for let it run for two weeks, then get in it. And then you would have to stay in that box for two weeks. And then be it when and then get out at the A point. But then when you got out, it would be too. It would be when you turned on the machine. It would be when you turned it on. Yeah. So f- four weeks total linear time, but four weeks for you. So what they're doing is they're turning on the machine, and then they go and they hang out at the hotel all day, and they look up like stock prices and stuff, and then they go and they get in the machine, and then they go back. And then they come out and the other thems that would be there are now in the hotel wasting the day like without being seen by anyone. So then But it's the also not the... to affect anything in that timeline. Right, right. And they don't want to run into themselves or anything. Yeah. Or anyone they but know, it, which that comes up later with the cell phone call or something, I think, right? Yes. It's it's interesting the order they do things in though. You know, they have enough uh foresight to know to stay out of just stay out of the loop and just wait, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, the the cell phone thing is interesting. Because of uh yeah, cuz it sets up those paradoxes or whatever like Well, the affecting... the idea is like when they're in the hotel, he uh he has his phone, his phone rings and he's like, "Oh shit, I brought it. I shouldn't have brought it." So, they don't answer it. Or no, he does answer it and it's his wife saying, you know, something basic, you, you when are you going to be home for dinner? So then he's supposed to not bring it back with him, but he brings it back with him. So then when they come out on the A end, they're walking down the street and the phone rings, which would have been the same time that the phone was ringing for him in the hotel earlier. But now he's like, oh shit, the phone's ringing for me here, which means the version in the hotel is not having, the phone's not ringing for him. Yes. He's not receiving the call. So now what have we just done to cause that, like, you know, the causality and everything? Have we just fucked up the loop? I think that's what they're implying there. They were trying to start to show we really can't do anything to change things. No. Because it'll really screw things up. Yeah. Um, I do love, too, that their their first idea was to just, like, make money from this time machine, <laughs> you know? Well, wouldn't, wouldn't that be... I think there's two ways to look at time travel. It's like, the, you know, the time machine method where... Well, from uh, the Guy Pierce one, at least, um, <laughs> to go back and save his wife or whatever. Right, right? time travels um, wife. Uh, so you uh, you go back in time to stop something, like you invented the machine to do that. 
but this in this way it's like they just stumbled across the machine so it's not like they had a something they needed to happen no. so i think this is what you would you'd be like fuck what are we gonna do let's yeah. make some money yeah i'd make a buck too I, also, I don't know how the stock market works so i'd first need to learn how the stock market works then i'd be able to <laughs> use the time machine for profit yeah see so these are the versions of them that haven't yet traveled in time right Exactly. Yeah, they're just they're they're getting their oxygen. They're about to go. Wait, where are they now? They're in the library. Yeah. So they're wasting time in the library too. I guess so. Yeah. Researching stocks. Oh, they're using yeah, like uh, I guess not that many people had home computers when they shot this, right? Because he shot this. Through. Unless that was cutting. I don't know what that was doing. <laughs> I don't know if they're intercutting between the two versions of them or if it's supposed to just be showing them one set of them. Time. Yeah. Yeah. Did you notice that little thing there where Abe tries the other door? Yeah. Because he has the fail safe machine in that one. And he kind of forgets. It's like a subtle little. We haven't been introduced to the fail safe machine yeah, yet. Yeah. 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 He's like, oh, Aaron's like, no, it's this one. Yeah. So that's like a subtle thing. Yeah. Rules to follow. Here's their dolly again. I think the next dolly one's bad because apparently Shane Carruth was operating. Oh, no, that dolly's okay. Yeah, it doesn't look too, too bad. Oh, I think it's this one right here where he, like, didn't didn't know where he was going. (laughs) He was chirping himself on the commentary. Out of focus, bouncing around. Oh, he got it there. Got it at the (laughs) end. I think, like, some of these older films, or at least on 16 mil like you forgive some of the bad focus pulls but now with how amazing the resolution is the stuff that's out of focus is so much more noticeable now yeah that's true like you watch some older films and stuff is buzzed all the time like people's shoulders are more in focus than their face and they just leave it in the cut just because when it projected on film or when you had it on vhs or dvd like it it didn't matter as much but now, like, you can have 4K on Netflix. Like, if if your focus is off from, like, the nose to the eyeball, people notice. Yeah. So. Oh, another time travel thing. Have you watched Dark? Dark. No. That's a, that's oh. a new show, right? Or a show on Netflix? Dude. That has time travel, eh? Uh, like, I, I almost don't even want to tell you that. No. I'll check I, it I out. Went in, I went into it not even knowing that. And I'll tell you, it is one of the best. Really? Yeah, it is absolutely fantastic. Because I've heard... If anyone's listening to this and you have not watched Dark on Netflix, it is fantastic. I I don't know how they wrote that thing. It is so convoluted in such a good way. Oh, let's check it out. Yeah, I just... I got mixed reviews from friends that didn't seem to like it, but... Listen, it's it's foreign, so there's subtitles or overdubs. And I think the people don't watch it with overdubs. Watch it with subtitles. Yeah. Get the real performances from the actors. Yeah, I you know, agree. Um, the overdubs always just make it sound weird because it's not. I mean, they're not there. They're in a room acting to the screen. Yeah. Um, Anyways, that's a good one. Check that one out. Yeah, definitely. Um. So, I guess you'd be kind of fucked up from laying in this box for however long. Well, right? yeah, you know, if you're in there for six hours. Yeah, like, what would you do? I don't know, but like I think also I think what happened here is I think what happened here is he got out too soon because they they make mention of if you get out too soon, um, it can fuck you up. There's like a, a shock or something you get oh. from it. 
So I think that's what this is here. He got out too soon. Um, and mm. I think like later when they bring in the, uh, the Thomas Granger stuff. Yeah. I think what they're implying is that, I mean, obviously that he has traveled a lot in time and Aaron, Aaron too, his ears are starting to bleed and stuff that there's some kind of effect there. But I think they may have been suggesting that Granger got out way too soon too. And that's one of the reasons he's in the, he gets in a coma so easily or something. I don't know. They, They sort of imply that there's some proximity element at play too. Like, that because Granger is so close to them and they've all been time traveling, there something it affects them. I'm not exactly sure. There's a few things that, you know, there's some fan theories on that were hinted at in various interviews and stuff, but not uh, explained fully by Carruth. Which is probably he just didn't figure it out. And well, like, I'm sure he's got a, his own reason, but at some point, I guess you just leave it, right? Let people. It's like 2001. Right. If Kubrick sat down and said what everything meant, then. Right. Yeah. Then <laughs> it, would, yeah, it, wouldn't it wouldn't be what it is. Some of the uh, the mystery of it, or I don't know, just people liking it. Um, so this was shot on on sixteen mil film, which was yep, super sixteen. Yeah, common at the time for films to get shot on on sixteen mil film. Um, long before kind of a big digital revolution where anything indie now is just shot digitally even like upstream color i believe he shot it on like uh panasonic's camera right like the yeah yeah i think so and i mean it looked good like he uh, did look good yeah like i think he shot the whole film with like a macro lens but um like you did you remember that like the focus was just like almost impossibly like fine in that yeah, maybe. I think he also said, I can't remember what lens he shot on this, but he said there was definitely some fish eyeing going on. So in this, they were constantly like putting the camera far away and zooming in to not see that rounded. Oh, just the vignetting? I, yeah, I don't know what he shot on, but uh, yeah, the vignetting. Okay. Well, I'm guessing they just rented like like they shot on probably one of the Aerie uh, SR what, 16s or whatever. Yeah, like whatever we used in, in film, film school. school. Like that was pretty much the yeah. standard 16 mil. But that's can. it, right? Like in 2001, I mean, that's what you did. Yeah. You're not going to shoot anything on. Uh, when was. Uh... <sighs> no, that was much later. I was going to say like the XL1s and everything. XL1S that oh. uh, they should 28 days later, but that was like 2005 or something, I right? I think so, yeah. I can look at it. Because that, that was out right when we were in film school. Because I bought the XL2. Yeah, XL2. I remember that thing. It was not. Yeah, it looks so cool. It's. I think it still looks cool when I think about it. Does. It, it does. It does look cool. Because you could change the lenses on that too, which we never yep. did. But <laughs> no, no, never took it off. Just stick with the kit lens that you were <laughs> sold. Two thousand and two oh, is when uh, Twenty Eight Days Later came out. Oh wow! So they shot okay, that. So it was on around. So it was around XL1, this time, right? Yeah, so. I think it was the XL One S. Yeah. Which, and they used the uh, like adapter to get 35 mil lens on it. Yeah, they had a PL mount on it, but that's an entire f- like. But they also had proper. Li- I mean, I hate when they people say that they go, "Oh, they only sh- they shot on this this camera." It's like, yeah, but they were still professionally lit and everything. You know, and they had wardrobe and makeup and, and production and design, everything. And they oh, were no able my. to bring it to like a post house that could deal with that properly. You know. Yeah. So there is a bit of like, I don't know. We see that. You see that every now and then people like there was like a post on Reddit that went kind of viral. Somebody just bragging about making, making something for not that much, but with, without like the mainstream 
cameras like red or airy or whatever but it's like they still shot on like the was it the canon whatchamacallit there the uh what's canon's big flagship camera there uh right when right now yeah uh canon's camera yeah they're like uh eng style not eng style but like reality tv style oh god i don't know yeah it'll come i don't know it'll come to me (laughs) Yeah. Well, nowadays it's like everyone shoots on a red, right? Yeah. Especially like coming up indie because there's yeah. just so many reds out there. It's like you want to shoot on the red and then when you start getting a little better, uh, you know, you're shooting on the, um, oh God. The airy? Yeah. The airy or whatever. Um, yeah. But it's the cameras just, they, they, they do such a good job now. You know, there's so many options. Christ, you can even shoot on... You know, people are shooting film feature films on like the A7S's. Um, you know, yeah, I have one of those too. I, I don't use it's it more about that, it's you know, if you have good lighting and you have good lenses, you don't you don't have to have like a fantastic camera to still get something that looks great. No, it's true. You got to pick pick your battles. But yeah, like I remember that. DVD. I mean, I would almost say I would say lighting is almost is kind of the most important, wouldn't you? Yeah, well, that and sound, I think. Well, yeah, sound sound. I'm always gonna I'm. I'm that's apparently the sorry the, I don't know if we're synced up because my thing was skipping. Yeah, the, the display on the box, is just the camera display that they've the the view uh, the uh, screen the LCD screen. Okay. He, so he made something in After Effects, then put it to mini DV tape, and then played it on the camera and put the camera screen behind that to make it look like a digital display. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're pumping gas right now. Oh, okay, so I'm behind. Oh, yeah. So I might bring up stuff that's behind. That's okay. Um. Yeah, sound, man. Sound is so, so, so important. It's like, I mean, for everything, but especially indie stuff, it's the killer. It's the, it's the, yeah. We've talked about this forever. Everyone always talks about this. Uh, I, when I was back in the day, when I was still like ripping movies and downloading cams and stuff, I couldn't watch a movie that I downloaded that sounded tinny and like garbage. No. But I, I could watch a movie that wasn't the greatest picture, but sounded perfect. Like they had the right audio file, but it was like a, slightly shitty video i could totally deal with that a lot easier than i could deal with garbage sound yeah it's something about yeah they just like messes you up which like this film from what i remember it had a pretty good production sound and a pretty good mix which i don't know if they screened that at sundance with a good mix or if it was after the fact that they got no i think i think he pretty much did everything in prep oh i think i just saw boom there yeah, there's like shots behind, where the, behind the counter. <laughs> there is like some goofs with the boom. I think there's shadows yeah. of the boom. Well, he apparently, I mean, that was just he wasn't a sound guy. He was like a friend, just doing sound, like we've we've done, you know. <laughs> yeah, which if you have, um, like, I've also said like, sound for some film people, like it is complicated because they only focus on one thing. But sound in and of itself isn't the most complicated thing to to master at least just capturing good audio like it's like the basics of it are very simple you know yeah at least i think but i don't know yeah i grew up with microphones and shit like that but yeah you've got a a bit of experience there a little bit um Um, where where are you i'm gonna try to skip forward a little bit oh i uh yeah i just entered the the park where they're looking for the cat okay i'm around the 46 a uh, minute mark coming on 47 they're well, back what, in what scene are you at they're back in the library all right and now I'm just gonna fast back, forward here now they're back in the 
in the U-Haul place. Oh, wow. 47 minutes or so. Um, They're throwing footballs for me. Are they? When did that happen? Did you jump ahead? Am I behind? I don't know. What's your time? Who knows? Say? Doesn't doesn't matter. Yeah, if your time says you're around the forty-seven or forty-eight minute mark now, now they're back on the on the roof. His ears bleeding now. Oh, I actually passed that. Yeah. Ah, you jumped ahead. I think what what happened is my DVD skipped, as DVDs do, and it skipped forward. Oh, right. right, right. <laughs> it didn't skip backwards. Um. All right. Yeah, I'm at the ear bleeding scene. Did they film this? I, like he's from like uh, was it South Carolina? Did they film that all? Ah, uh, you know what? I meant to write down where it was shot. I thought it was like um, Dallas or some crap, wasn't it? Oh, uh, maybe. I don't know. It would be funny if it was Dallas, g- given how much stock footage we've used from Dallas. <laughs> yeah. Oh god. Um. um yeah, I don't. No, I, don't I don't know where it, it is, but I know he's from. Uh, I know he's from Myrtle Beach, so. I don't know. It could right. be. Uh, they could have. Well, you know what? There. What's fun about this is it's. Oh, here's the counter. Are you in the kitchen? No, oh, I'm in the oh, uh, no. garage. Garage. Yeah, never mind. Uh, we missed it again. That's what I was talking about earlier. Um, it's one of these things where it's like his parents, you know, catered. His dad apparently was on set every day and did most of the slates. Uh-huh. Um, uh, you know, just uh, it's, it's you're a pure little indie film. Yeah. Which is and mostly practical lighting, like I, I, you know, a real skeptic, not skeptical, but like a critical person could look at it and be like, "Oh God, you know, this looks shitty or that looks shitty." I think it looks pretty good, man. I was when I first saw it, at least I was like, "This looks cool." It has I liked all the green in it. I like anything green after I saw the Matrix. The Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so th- this scene where they're looking for the cat, look at how grainy that is. Yeah, it's pretty. But, but apparently that this happened in the transfer to 35, like blowing it up to 35. Apparently he said it was not like this. It was pretty crisp. Hmm. I mean, that's possible, but like there is something though, a difference though of like if you had digital grain, it wouldn't look as good. But like yeah. there is something about film grain that we're sort of it's something like I don't know if this is just just cuz we're I'm used to film film grain just growing up watching film or if the it being organic and, and like if you have digital it's more of uh, yeah. like a fixed pattern sort of noise you get on like a digital camera you know yeah no for sure but i mean we're i mean it's funny that we're in an age where you're adding grain back into things now to make it to look, make it to make it look yeah. more real or film like yeah, right yeah oh it's too crisp we gotta add grain add some grain make it look not so good <laughs> anymore which is like all all we tried to do back in film school was like you know make it look as crisp as possible I think this whole scene was a was a little. They talk about the cat and whether they're going to find it or not find it. I think it's a, a little homage to Schrodinger's cat. To what? Sorry, Sh- Schrodinger's cat. Who's that? Oh, you never heard of Schrodinger's cat? Like the thought experiment? No. Um, Explain it. You know, cat. There's a cat in a in a box that uh, may or may not uh, emit some radiation and kill the cat. Uh, so the cat is. Either it's the cat is not either alive or dead. It is both until the observer opens the door, oh. and the wave the wave function collapses and then defines the cat as being alive or dead. Oh. It's it's a prob it's a probability thing, but yeah, I'm surprised you've never heard of Schrodinger's cat. Holy shit! I've definitely heard one of those like uh, of like 
you observe something like changes well or, yeah it's like, only once yeah quantum mechanics and everything when, when you when you observe something uh the wave function collapses and it becomes that thing it's sort of like you can't measure both the uh velo- the, the the speed and the position of something yes okay you know you can measure one or the other i guess it's like the information collapses the wave collapses i don't know Hmm. (laughs) stuff to blow your mind yeah for smarter people to explain yes exactly (laughs) Uh, i love i I read about all this shit all the time like i am a big nerd on uh theoretical physics and all this stuff and i can never recall anything when i'm just in a conversation while i'm reading it i'm like yep oh i know this i know that great next time uh we get in a conversation i'm gonna bring that up and i just butcher it (laughs) Maybe I did an okay job with Schrodinger's cat, but that one, that one <laughs> like, I, I got, I got the gist of it. But uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, I don't know. There is some of that stuff. I do try and explain um, simple theories to people when they're asking about stuff. But uh, I don't know. You know how people are, are always like, "Oh, people go crazy when the moon is full." It's because the moon's yeah. full. And I'm like, the moon's full every night. You just don't see it. <laughs> yeah, my mom was always like that. Yeah. Oh, I knew your brother was going to be crazy tonight. Like, mom, come on. Right. <laughs> I knew it. Yeah. Like, what about all the times you didn't know it? <laughs> yeah. The, Anyways. Uh, the other thing, the it happens in threes. People always, oh, things always happen in threes. Like, no, you just stop and start counting when you arbitrarily feel the need to. Well, it's like 11-11. 11-11, the time? Well, why, like why is it always 11-11? It's not. You just made a thing about eleven eleven. Like when when it's eleven twenty seven, you're not looking at it going, "Oh my god, it's eleven twenty seven. Right. Yes. You just make a deal about it when you see eleven eleven. Yeah. Yeah. It's always those things, but different for the cat. <laughs> yeah. So this moment is where they're like, Aaron is freaking out because he thinks something's changed because of the cell phone. Well, now they're in the cell phone. Sorry, I was still at the muffin part. So now they're walking down the street for me. Are they free? Yeah, he's he's just yeah. and he realizes he has the phone, so the the past him won't get that phone call. Yeah. So this well, no, this is the he is now the one who has gone to the past. Right. So he he's making the bets now. So now there's a version of him in the hotel room. Right. Right. Actually, you know, I think. You know how I would make money, and I just thought of it now. I would bet on sports. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I think I understand sports betting better than the stock market. Uh, horse horse betting. There's a great time travel yarn written by Dar- David Gerold called The Man Who Folded Himself. Okay. It's a pretty short, like almost like a little novella. Um, it is like the best written time travel thing. It is so awesome. Uh, but it's anyways, it starts with, uh, it's a cool book. It start well, it starts with him going to the horse races and, and then constantly going back. And it's this book with like hundreds of characters and all of them are him. Oh, that's interesting. And it just goes so insane. Versions of him from the future and the past all intersect. And... Yeah. Check that out. The man who folded himself. Huh. Interesting. Not a little time travel yoga. literature. No, it's not about <laughs> yoga. <laughs> Here's a little uh, filmmaky shot here, eh? Like shooting through the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the doors, doors, the slats. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're a little behind, but yes, I, I know what you mean. It's funny that those type of shots come up a lot in like indie stuff, eh? Like making a frame within a frame. 
Okay, I got Abe pouring milk. Yeah, it's he's drinking the milk right now. All right, so I'm almost there. We're like we're within like a second or two of each other, so uh, so close enough. <laughs> I keep fast forwarding it. Um. So yeah, at this point in the film, is the there is a double of Abe, right, in, or Aaron in in one of the attics, right? Okay, well, I mean, so they met very early on. The wife says, oh, I hear something in the attic. We should call pest control. That is one, one of the errands has come back to the beginning and dumped. The, his original the, self. The, the, the original self. in the, He's like, yeah. ga- uh, not gassed him. I think he did the cereal thing, put uh, something in the cereal and put him up in the attic. Yeah. Um, so that's what you're hearing. You don't find that out till the end. Um. Right, yeah. yeah. Which again, the first time I watched it, like I just thought it was whatever. Just so that what what just happened here is so Aaron wants to punch his boss in the face. He's like, I just want to punch that asshole in the face because apparently he stole an idea from them or something, and I want to go back in time and then get, tell myself not to do it so that I can feel what it's like. But you know, um, right? We uh, yeah, but you don't Anyways. have to suffer the consequences of it. Exactly. So. Abe is like, that's so stupid, whatever. So Abe gets woken up in the middle of the night by kids hitting cars and setting off their alarms. And he suddenly has this thought, like, and he calls Aaron and says, listen, these kids just woke me up. Um, we could go to your boss's house right now. You could punch him in the face and then we'll go back in time and we'll we'll go stop those kids from hitting the cars. We'll go stand out there. And then the me from here will not wake up and I won't call you and... None of this will happen. Yeah, but the problem there is that then there would be two of you. Yeah, in there would be two of you in that timeline. There'd be the you that went back and told the kids, got the kids not to hit the cars, and then there's the you upstairs sleeping. So they don't really acknowledge. And the I think one that was in a f- the attic. Well, yeah, I think there was a bit of a failure there. Whether it's a character flaw or a story flaw, I don't know. Because hmm. maybe it's just the characters not fully understanding everything. I think that's an easy thing to uh, attribute blame to. Is like. You go, oh, it's just the characters. They don't know they don't know all the rules yet. Mm, yeah, that's fair. Um, like so the prestige then when like does he clone or does he send something back in time and that's why he has to drown it? Like Hugh Jackman's character. Remember that? Uh yeah, the prestige. I, I think that was clones, wasn't it? Is it clone or is it time travel? Because I think like No, it's not time travel. I'm pretty sure that was clones, and it was just cloned to a different area. And then, yeah, one like when he was throwing the hats in, he didn't realize he was cloning it each time. But there was this pile of hats out in the forest, right? So it was kind of showing that, oh, we're cloning it, but it doesn't happen right here. It clones them away. So what was happening is like he was cloning himself to the other end of like the theater, and then the him that was in the device dropped into the tank to friggin' die or whatever, right? Yeah, because he Um, couldn't be too. Yeah, that's a good movie. Yeah, I haven't seen that in years. It's pretty solid, Christopher Nolan. Yeah, man. He makes uh, good stuff. Um, this, is, this is pretty lucky to shoot in a... I don't want to say lucky, um, but it, it's smart. You know, when, like, I'm sure a bunch of people have shot in... Uh, storage facilities. Storage facilities, but, you know, he really made use of this, and it, it totally works for the film, right? Like... One, like, a simple location. Like, we had our control. storage facility with all our gear in it. And every time I went there, I was always like, man, you could so easily shoot something from here, even if not with permission. Yeah, like it was. It's it. open, especially nowadays. They're open 24 hours. 
people go home at five. So yes, there's cameras, but I mean, if you're just shooting something with a couple people in your own storage unit, yeah, they're not going to be really, so easy. Yeah, they're yeah. not going to say anything usually. But if you did it nowadays, you'd be ripping primer. So exactly, unless <laughs> or storage wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that's the crossover everyone needs to see: the storage wars primer. You know, yeah. they open yeah. up the. Uh, I used to watch that man. Storage like, wars. Yeah, like the original one, the first series, couple seasons. I was totally into it. Yeah, it was pretty good. I think it was during school or something. Yeah, <laughs> had lots of time on my hands. The uh, they open up the uh, the storage unit and they find a time machine. Yeah, that's the sequel. Well, yeah, they find this sh- the shitty uh, PVC and sheet metal box yeah. with wires taped to the outside. <laughs> um. And then it's carted off to a giant warehouse with more boxes. Um, Where you know what's confusing about this film is that they they start mentioning around now that there's this party that uh, someone had and invited. It was a birthday party for the Robert character, and someone invited Rachel, and then her ex boyfriend showed up at the party, and they got in an argument. And he came in with a shotgun, and Aaron just like saved the day. Yeah. So they're like, "What the fuck." Like, so that's the first um, time they sort of bring up that he was involved. And you start to know that, oh, so has he, because he obviously, his whole plan is, is knowing about this event and then going back in time or whatever. And because he knows about it, he's able to take the bullets out of the gun and everything uh, and stop the guy. But it's just really confusing how they treat this scene because it's like you hear about this scene, you never really see, you see it coming up a little bit, but it's kind of like a really pivotal scene in the movie that isn't really shown at all. And like the Rachel character is not shown really at all. The Thomas Granger character is like a big part of it and isn't really shown at all. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. It is pretty interesting. But so here's is, Abe. Abe, this is Abe coming back uh, to gas himself. To gas himself and throw himself in the uh, bathroom. Um, that is something like, uh, like I don't know. I hear a lot like if you're gonna make a indie film, like make something like a horror because horror can be interpreted multiple different ways. Comedies, people find it funny or they don't find it funny or drama, like whatever, right? But like yeah. uh, something like this where. It's like either you get it and you understand it and you're like, oh, I got it or you don't get it and you don't want to seem like an idiot. So you're like, oh, yeah, I totally got it. So, like, (laughs) you know, sure. I don't know. It's along that same line where it could be interpreted in multiple ways. So that kind of helps its success, I think, you know, like like the the mystery leaves you wanting questions and maybe gets you into it a bit more uh, you know what i mean like you yeah man. you stay invested yeah. more or you absolutely you don't want to you can't you don't want to answer everything no i find myself getting into that trap when i'm writing and stuff too where i feel like i you know maybe you have too many loose ends or you want to be too smart and like explain everything yeah i think you just you, you can't do that no you gotta just leave let the audience figure some stuff out a lot of stuff out yeah uh you know it's like pulp fiction with the briefcase right like you don't need to show what's in it that's the whole point <laughs> I mean, that's a little bit different. I saw a thing, a cinematography post on Instagram recently. It just showed the rig, how they they made it. You know what I mean? With the the light in it, with a battery pack on it. I was like, ah, I kind of ruined it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Seeing the magic trick. Yeah, exactly. Look at the color color of the grass behind Aaron. 
Uh, it's really interesting, like color timing here. Like the greens are almost made like just like the green is just taken out of everything. Do you think that's just the film stock they shot on? Or? No, I think he intent he intentionally graded it that way. I think he was saying it was too blue and green, like too sunny and green and blue. Okay. I mean, it's just interesting that the whole, it's almost like the first half of the film is very green. And the second, like all this outdoor stuff is so orange. Yeah, I mean, maybe it was intentional. And, and, and all the storage stuff is really orange. But all the garage stuff in the beginning was had this really cool green hue to it. Yeah. Do you think that that's intentional or do you like, cause like, I mean, 16 mil color timing and early. He 2000s. says it's, in, he says it was intentional. <laughs> so so but I'll take knows. him, take his word for it. It could just be film stocks. And like, if they did practical lighting, all those fluorescent lights have that green tinge to it. Right. So, well, like look at that rooftop stuff there. That wasn't orange at all. Oh, you're in a different spot now, but well, no, now I'm in the, weird zoom into the papers okay yeah yeah but yeah i'm back in that but yeah i I know what you mean yeah like it has a look which is interesting well it's it's a little it's maybe not as consistent as um some bigger films would be no but i mean that's what you get the guy's doing everything yeah but even now like we we know all about that yeah (laughs) (laughs) yes very well like fuck and what the problem is, it's creating this thing in me where, like, I'm only trusting myself now, and that's a bad thing, you know? Oh, I, I yeah, I totally get what you mean. Like, where it's like, fuck, I'll just do this, and I'll do this, and I'll do this, because I know what I want, and you start to justify to yourself that that's that's the way it's got to work. But and it's like, well, then your short film is going to take two and a half years because because <laughs> you're you're doing everything. Is it that way because of? Like you only want yourself doing something, or is it that I'm, way? Because you know what, you I'm don't just such pay. a like. It's just like it's well, money it's a mixture. Too. Yeah, yeah, it's a mixture. If I had money, I would prefer to hire people. Like the short film I'm doing right now, the last short film I did, I hired someone to do the score. I would love to hire someone to do this score, but I just don't have the money, so I'm I'm scoring it and I'm doing the sound design, I'm editing and VFX and just and that that's more of a product of money. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't know. Could I maybe I could find someone that would volunteer? I just I we're too old to be still asking people to fucking volunteer. Well, that's just it. And like, I, I feel you bad. Know, it's like, I've already called in so many favors over the years yeah, I know. that I don't want to keep asking people to do stuff for free. Yeah. I, I mean, I totally get it, but yeah, like I'm in pre-production doing something and like, you know, I'm like paying people like a minimum amount just to cover costs to be there on set. And then yeah. also like when people are like, uh, volunteering locations or, or or time or something right like they're being more than generous with their time and i'm yeah. always just like oh you're so new here i can exploit <laughs> you so bad <laughs> i have to I, I have to restrain myself you know that scene we just had with uh, aaron walking out the door okay. with the other the two aarons yeah that, that's interesting because that's the aaron the aaron that has already gone through that scene and has already uh, drugged himself and fought himself, is now fighting the Aaron who has not gone through with that yet. He's just planning to do it. Uh-huh. Uh, and they talk it out. or he, he can't beat him. I guess he's too weak or something because the, the one who has done less time travel <laughs> events is stronger. But that one, let's just call him Aaron 2, um, realizes that Aaron 3 has already done what he is planning to do. 
and just sort of gives up and goes, you've already done this and you deserve, I guess, whatever. So he just leaves. Aaron too leaves. Oh, that is interesting. Like, would you do that? Like if a future you, I think in all movies, it's like the future you comes back and tells you like, dude, this thing. And you go, no, let me figure that out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Would you just go, oh yeah, you're right. Okay, I'll leave. You deserve it. You've already gone through this and know that it's not going to work. Yeah, that is kind of interesting. Yeah, I, I wonder what you'd do. Like, I guess if you have all your stock market money, you can go off and live another life. Yeah, but it's like, yeah, well, I mean, but it's like that Aaron has to leave his family. Yeah, I guess he's got kids and stuff, right? He's so. got a kid and a wife, and it's like there's two of you there. Which one gets to stay with? With which the, one gets to stay with them? Yeah, that is. But I think the whole part of the Aaron character is that he's kind of not. He kind of seems like a bit of a like he doesn't care. Yeah, I suppose he's, he's kind of dejected. more willing to take risks and everything. And maybe he got thrust into this life like earlier than he wanted or something. I don't know. Maybe. You know, like like the Abe guy's living in an apartment with a roommate, and this guy's like at home with a wife and a kid in a house. Yeah, maybe he was. I don't know. Yeah, I guess you could. I've heard, very, I've heard about, various things about all the yeah nuances of, of the character. motivations. But at the same yeah. time, those two people are the same person. So yeah, I guess. Well, yeah, the Aaron, the Aaron's, yeah. So if but, one, if one wanted to leave, theoretically, both would want to leave, right? Well, what I don't get is if the if Aaron three already went through this, then didn't that mean that he would have been the one to have left at that point? Hmm. Yeah. Like which ones? It, what gets hard is like what's? I mean, a lot of people when they break down time travel movies, they we'll call characters like prime. So like Aaron prime, meaning like the very first one to go through the experience without anything having happened. Okay. So the first one to time travel. Right. You know, but is it, that's where you have to have these like internal consistencies and, and uh, logics and things. Uh, time you know, travel what, is, too, too is, is there, is there a first? Right. Or is it just a looping thing where everything constantly happens? Everything um, is happening. Will always it's just be a loop. Yeah. yeah. There's always someone ahead of you that has gone through it that t- traveled back in time to see you, you know? Right. One of the things with Back to the Future I really love is we're not get we can get into this another day, but the idea that um, at the end of part one, when Marty comes running towards the mall and he sees the other Marty get in the, t- in the time machine and travel back. Yeah. So that Marty does what? He travels back to where? The Peabody Farm? Yeah. And lands in the uh, thing. So doesn't that mean that all the Martys who travel back to the Peabody Farm arrive at 1955 or whenever it is, wouldn't they all land on top of each other? I know they're all leaving from kind of different timelines, but they're all arriving in 1955. You're saying if it is like a massive like loop? Yeah. Okay. I sort of. See we'll, we'll get into that later. Never mind. I have a whole bunch of Back to the Future theories. We'll we'll do we'll do another episode do of Back to Back the to the Future, like a deep dive. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like the fan theories that uh, Doc would have known this, and he actually would have sent that Marty to a different time, and that's like the Marty who sucks in the future, and yada yada. <laughs> There's all sorts of fun uh, oh, fun theories. That is interesting. You notice Back to the Future at Back to the Future one, Doc when he pulls out his gun already has an old West gun. Have you ever noticed no. that? Like he already has like a peacekeeper or whatever, like revolver. Oh, yeah. No, I, I didn't know that. I find that kind of interesting. Yeah. Well, a lot of the t- a lot of the tie-ins there. Yeah. I don't know um, if that's just like their or writing. or the uh, the backing out of the truck, meaning he 
literally pulled into the truck with the car and sat in it until Marty showed up so that he could make his grand backup entrance. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> and why does it get cold? They never bring that up They again. never bring up the... Uh, <laughs> the, the car dryers. comes back yeah. frozen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways, different movie. Yeah. We're talking about yeah. Primer. That's okay. It's all time travel though, right? Like... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so here's this. Here's finally this scene where he's pull, being the hero. Pulls the. And see, there's maybe a little moment there. Like maybe Aaron knew because he's already done this that the door's unlocked. And Abe didn't need to break the window, and he stops him. Right. Yeah. Anyways, he's got his like play by play with his like like ear thing in. Yeah, both of them do. Yeah. Oh, not that one. Oh, Abe's is gone there. Yeah. little uh, continuity. continuity there. Oh, no, he put it back in. Oh, maybe it was just hanging. Yeah. Um, what about Bill and Ted's um, time travel? You know what? I haven't... I mean, that's sort of the fantastical, like... Oh, I'm, I'm going to need this later, so I'll... I'll I'll tell my future self to go and put this the key for the handcuffs that I need. Right, right. Oh, I love that stuff. You know what? It's it's kind of like have you ever seen the movie Frequency? No. Yeah. So the, uh, the movie uh, Frequency is um, it's a, I, I can't remember. I haven't seen it in years, but it's like uh, a kid's dad died or something, and then he grow he grows up, and then he uses a shortwave radio and somehow is talking to his dad in the past. Right, yeah. And I guess this I would have been when this. he was a kid. But So he's a grown man, but he's talking to, he's on a shortwave radio, and he's he's like talking to his dad, and he's telling him how he's going to die or something. I don't know. I can't remember. But the point is they, they're communicating in real time. So the son, he's like, I guess there's like, it starts to get to a scene where there's bad guys or something doing something, and he like needs stuff from them. So I think, I, for some reason, I feel like it's his wallet, so we'll just say it was his wallet. He's like, you got to put my wallet somewhere where no, no one will find it. So like the son puts the wallet, hides it like under a bench in the windowsill. And then technically that wallet sits there for 25 years or you know what I mean? Yeah. Or the other way around. Yeah. And then like suddenly it shows up. Yeah. And then so then he's like, yeah, I got it. I kind of like that. I like that sort of instant. Um, yeah. Gratification. But something stayed for there for like the longest. It is like the DeLorean in the cave, right? Yeah. Yeah. True. Is, but they just don't they don't do that there's not the instant sort of um like gratification like yeah you just it's been here the yeah, whole time i guess you need that sort of time communication to have that effect really work yeah um, um i don't know this is kind of funny so this is the, like now where they're talking about him leaving and there is kind of a bit of a reveal that there was this Aaron in the attic this whole time right and that Aaron. I guess him that's traveled back the most is deciding to leave, right? Yeah, he's saying he 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 he's gonna leave. Um, I think he's meant Aaron's mentioning like I could make we could make copies of like my daughter and wife and take them too or something. And Abe's just like get the fuck out of here. Yeah, because the other you is here, and I don't know something like that. Yeah. It's, I'm watching on mute, so I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what they're saying. What but they're saying. Uh, yeah, so it just essentially goes to black for a while, and then he's in South America at like some big facility, and that like he's about to make like a bigger time machine, essentially, right? Yeah. Now I, I've always I've looked up all sorts of things about this, and I've never got a great explanation of like what he's asking them to do. I know that they're, and he's said uh, Shane Carruth has said that they're you know, making a bigger machine. Um, 
you know, imagine you could make a box that could actually hold multiple people and maybe a room size or something, you know what I mean? But I don't know what he's like, uh, every three meters, everywhere. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. Right, but right, right. I guess, it, I guess it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, I got credits now. So um, yeah, yeah, overall, too. like when you first saw this film, you liked it, obviously, right? Yeah, man. And uh, I liked it because it was an original idea. I liked it because I'm into time travel. It was something I hadn't seen. I liked it because it was an indie movie, so it was like inspiring as an indie you know, at that stage when I saw it, I, I wasn't, hadn't gone to film school yet. So I was just about to, but I was in that stage of life where I wanted to make movies and yeah, I was filming things. So I understood what it's like to shoot things. Yeah. yeah. Little shitty shorts uh, for no money. So it was just one of those films that really just kind of hit all the right things for me. And it just, uh, like looking at it now, there, it's funny. It's like, what goggles are you going to look through? When you're yeah. judging something, yeah. if you just take it without knowing any of the story, I mean, it's still a pretty well done film in terms of um, the originality and the script and everything. But like technically, there's a lot of a lot of stuff that's not fantastic about it. Yeah. But I don't think it. What it's managed to do is it doesn't exist without the stories of how it's made. Exactly. No one yeah. watches. No one watches this film and just goes, "Oh, I saw this fucking weird." film on tv the other day called primer it's always like oh it's this guy who made it they, like everyone looks up the details they go hand in hand you know and that's something oh, that's, yeah i totally agree like you know we we made that film right out of film school and it's like one of the things we suffered from is like it, it it's not a very good film there's a lot of good stuff in it but our problem with uh, some of the people who saw it were like they thought it was done with a much bigger budget yeah and it's like we we always wanted people to know, like, listen, it was like done for no money and by just a few students, right? Yeah. Which, but unfortunately, a, it kind of came off as something that was done with a budget, with real crews and stuff. Yeah. Which <laughs> so, it's funny that we managed to trick people, like, but yeah, I know, but yeah, you just, I, I could talk. You for want hours the production stories? Some of the grievances about that, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same uh, with uh, El Mariachi, right? If you just watch that movie as a movie, like I don't think it's that good. No, but like, it's the story. knowing he's shooting from a chair as a like a chair dolly and everything is. Yeah, it's the story that, that makes it the yeah. thing. Yeah, no, I agree with you, and yeah. Um, so yeah, that is Primer. Um, so if you uh, if you've seen Primer or if you are listening to this for the first time, uh, let us know what you think. Uh, give us a uh, comment on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, you can check all that out. And uh, we'll see Travis possibly sooner than later. Maybe we'll have him on the show a lot more. We can do, yeah, uh, yeah. I'd love to come back. We've already discussed maybe some that uh, will work. So hopefully you hear from me again. Um, yeah. You can check me out at, uh, at Shastman on Twitter and Instagram or uh, my website, TravisLayla.com. Wonderful. Thank you. Cool. Thanks, Ed. Game over, man. Game over. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at Lost Commentary, on Instagram at Raiders of the Lost Commentary, and like us on Facebook. I'll be back.